Hey there, and welcome back again to Yes, a Stripper Podcast. The name of this podcast was inspired by hashtag Yes, a Stripper, which was created by stripper L. Stanger. The hashtag was created as a clapback to civilian pole dancers who were posting pole dancing and exotic type dancing content on social media and using hashtag not a stripper. Strippers everywhere felt like they were being separated from and disrespected as the originators of pole dancing. On this podcast, we'll discuss how classifying each other as people and workers is dangerous to society and marginalized groups of people. We'll also talk about the climate in and outside of the strip clubs and all of the amazing things that strippers do. And of course, we'll talk about all of the things in between. I'm your queen, A.M. Davies, and this is Yes, a Stripper Podcast. Hello and welcome to Yes, a Stripper Podcast, still operating under COVID-19 from our homes, um, not in a studio still. Anyway, <laughs> uh, wondering how long that's going to go on for. So, you know, here's a thought. Um, there was this time I was having this conversation with um, a white male one day and they're typically some of the most um, absent-minded and uh, privileged thinkers that there are. And, um, you know, we were talking about what happened in a strip club one day and after hours, and he was like, and it was really crazy. It was a really gnarly story. It was very crazy. And I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe that's happening. And he's like, well, what do you expect? It's like a strip club. Like, that's just how it is. And my response to him was, it doesn't have to be that way just because that's your vision or society's vision of what a strip club is or those types of places are doesn't mean that it has to maintain that same abusive cycle. And this is something, you know, that, that what really irked me about it is that it was sort of the mentality of like, well, whatever, that's the way it is and it's broken and it's fucked up and that's just how it'll always be. History never changed with that, would have never changed with that narrative. We wouldn't have had people fighting for their rights and getting their rights if they believed that type of narrative. And so um, I disagree with that mentality. Well, that's the way things are and so that's the way it'll be. No, I believe in dreaming up what you want your future and what you want your reality to be and then turning it into that thing and making change and making a true difference in the world. And our guest that's with us right now, Daphne, is one of those people. Hi. You are someone. <laughs> Hi. Hi. <laughs> um, I just admire your work so much because um, you're somebody who's like, no, like, fuck the way it is. I'm going to make it the way I've always dreamt of. And so I'm sorry I'm emotional. I'm kind of on my period today. Not kind of. Really. Really am. <laughs> and... um. I just admire your work so much and that you're like making a true difference by not allowing the standard remain the standard. So thank you for being here. Uh, well, thank you for having me and <laughs> thank you for that intro. I mean, it's, um, it's really, I don't know, especially in these uh, weird times that we're at right now. Yeah. We're stuck with our own like self talk. And so yeah. it's nice, honestly, to hear sometimes what, other people's perspectives on things as opposed to that, you know, yeah. that little 
voice that we have for ourselves. So thank you for that. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, it could be totally scary. Um, my mom sent me this really beautiful quote by Machiavelli about, um, I want to find it, about people who um, practice reform, like people like you and people like me, quite honestly, right? Um, I think I just found it. Here it is. It must be considered that there is nothing more difficult to carry out, nor more doubtful of success, nor more dangerous to handle than to initiate a new order of things. For the reformer has enemies in all those who profit by the old order, and only lukewarm defenders in all those who would profit by the new order. This lukewarmness arising partly from the incredulity of mankind who does not truly believe in anything new until they actually have experience of it. And I just love that. And I feel like, because a lot of times I'm really uncertain about the reform that I'm trying to enact and like the sort of wave of doubt. Imposter Imposter syndrome. Yeah. Like, am am I doing this right? Should I be doing this? Yeah. Am I the right person to be doing this? Like, yeah. Totally. So let's give everyone a little context and background of who you are and what you're doing. Um, First of all, do you identify as a stripper? Uh, Yeah. I mean, I've been doing it for like a short amount of time, but I still consider myself a baby stripper, if anything. Wonderful. (laughs) So you have a show that you put on. Can you tell Mm -hmm. our audience about your work and about that show? Yeah, so um, I throw this night um, out here in LA called Jolene, and um, the whole purpose of it was um, sort of arose because I was dancing. I found a place to dance at, um, and I, you know, after having gone to different strip clubs and have wanting to be inspired and always wanting to have danced and. Uh, found a place for trans women. It was a trans women only um, lineup, but it was just kind of a, you know, weird, grungy, exploitative, mm-hmm. like sort of environment. So I was like, yeah. I want something that's more fun, something that like, you know, celebrates the dancers, something that, yeah. um, you know, sort of takes that fetishy aspect out of the dancers and, you know, of out of the surrounding like trans women yeah Uh, and so I just kind of I don't know at first it was just like me talking about it a lot like I want a better place and then it was like I'm gonna make a better place and then I just started producing my event Jolene um, Mm -hmm. at Cheetah's originally because that's where I started dancing um and yeah, and I just wanted a place where it didn't matter, you know, whether you identified as trans or cis, you know, women are women, um, yeah. trans women, cis women are women. And so I just wanted to create that safe space and environment that I was able to find um, in different areas and sort of also to just bring that, you know, there's so much like apprehension, I feel, um, that happens between cis and trans women sometimes. So I just kind of want to bring that together and be like, hey, like, we're all we're all dealing with the same shit. We're all dealing with this fucking patriarchy. Let's work together. Yeah. And so yeah. that's, that's how it came along. You know, yeah. I, I have so many questions. Um, 
yeah, how you say we're all dealing with the patriarchy and misogyny. Um, mm-hmm. So I and I and I ask this because I need to be educated and we need to educate others. But obviously, you experience the misogyny and the patriarchy part of that. Do you think it's the same and different as uh, same? same and or different than cis women of what you what I, trans people go through? I think there's definitely, uh, it's like, you know, there's, there's like, it's sort of like a, those Venn diagrams where it's like the different circles and things. There's certain things that I feel like trans women experience that cis women don't experience versus there's some things that cis women experience versus sure. what trans women do. There's a huge that stuff doesn't matter because at the end of the day, there's so many like overlying things in that middle circle that we both have to overlap and deal with. I mean, something like that, you know, specifically from my own experience speaking as a trans woman is like, you know, a lot of the things you you deal with is like the whole fetishization um, that surrounds like a lot of trans women when it comes to, you know, any environment involving like sex or being like adult oriented, you know? Um, yeah. And yeah. I mean, but I mean, what woman isn't fetishized at one point or another? Sure. For one thing totally. Or yeah. I mean, in the eighties, it was like blonde women. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like you super know. blonde. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So I mean, you know, again, that's just one thing that it's like, oh, yeah, it can be seen as different, but it's like, no, but it's still similarity. Like, you know, we all, we all still deal with these same underlying issues, you know? Yeah. Uh, so. It's so interesting. Um, <laughs> I, I love that you said Venn diagram. I still need to make a Venn diagram that I've been talking about for the last three months. And so I might call on you and ask you, to, for you to make a Venn diagram so that we can share it along with your podcast. Um, because, yeah, you know, it's just um, unfortunate that there's so much misinformation in general about the way people choose to live. And being a sex, like me growing up as a sex worker, and I say growing up because I didn't fully feel like an adult until I was 30. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I felt like a child until then, and sometimes still do. Um, but you know, I felt a lot of discrimination, um, and I also am in a place of privilege. And so, um, do you mind? So I didn't. There's people who have experienced more of it. Is my point, and um, and so can you speak on that at all? At like what if how that helped shape you to the person you are today, like dealing with a certain level of discrimination, um, being not only uh, a sex worker, but a trans woman as well. Like what, what's that like? Um, I mean, you know, either, I mean, there's days where it's like really hard and like all the shit gets to you, you know, and all I want to do is just lie in bed and not move from my bed and literally eat, you know, Oreos, dipped in speculous butter um but um (laughs) it's really good from Trader Joe's okay got it (laughs) Um, it's um but at the end of the day like you know 
something that I had to like really reevaluate with myself is like either I can, you know, allow these anxieties, um, like, you know, manifest and turn into something where it's just like into paranoia where I don't achieve anything or I can still just take a breath and just be a little bit more fearless and just go about my day like every other person does and you know just what's more rewarding but like also being able to allow myself to have those days where it's like I feel that like an overwhelming sadness or yeah just to give myself a body my myself a moment to process all of that because sometimes going out you're just on like high anxiety Mm. and like on high alert because it's like you just go out and you're just like, oh God, I feel cocky. I feel like someone's going to say something. Right. You know, um, but at the end of the day, you just kind of have to be like, just suck it up and then yeah. go about your day and live your life and don't allow your fears to like, you know, overtake you, I guess. Right. But then they'll have those days to process being on high alert all the time. <laughs> yeah. Do you do you feel like through like the development of Jolene in your show that you've created sort of like a, a community around that around that event? Um honestly it's super cool to see all the regulars that have we've somehow managed to like have. I mean there's yeah. you know a lot of people in the crowd that come just to support the girls and mm-hmm. um I'm grateful for that, you know, I, you know, growing up queer in Orange County and being like, you know, one of the few like minority groups or like kids that weren't white, essentially, um, like it was so hard for me to find like community and like things like that out there. So that's something I've always longed for. Yeah. Um, And, uh, you know, doing this, it's just, I don't know, it's, it's been a real big blessing to see the people that come out um, just to honestly, at the end of the day, support like what the whole like motto of it is. It's just to just celebrate at the end of the day, just celebrate trans women, celebrate queerness. So you have cis women also in your show, right? Yeah. I do a lineup of like cis and trans women. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason why I do that is, um, you know, I was sitting and talking with, um, Jordan Kensley. Yeah. Um, she's the one that actually helped me, like, gave me so many good, like, ideas and stuff of, about how to navigate with cheetahs and stuff and from the beginning. Yeah. Um, and so, um, she recommended having a half and half lineup because then that would just, you know, help to normalize the attraction to trans women because like I don't want it to be like you know seen as like a fetish anymore I just want to be like oh you know you just you like one it's like the way I like to see it it's like you know if you're gonna go to a buffet there's plenty of different types of foods there for everybody (laughs) you know and you may not the green beans but you're gonna fucking live for the you know fried chicken so right right Something for everybody, you know. Totally. Um, and just, yeah, I just wanted to normalize that attraction. I just wanted to stop pe- guys, especially um, the men that are like, you know, trans amorous men, to stop, you know, sort of 
rethink their just to start rethinking their dialogue inner dialogue that they have about their attraction towards trans women um so do you think that that creepy fetish yeah yeah that's what i was just about to ask do you think they they do it i'm just trying to get into their heads you know like because I know, I know a man, he's a very dear friend of mine, and he mm-hmm. um, is attracted to women, but he's also very attracted to um, trans women, very. Mm-hmm. And, but he's just the most kind-hearted soul. Um, I don't, I, and I've never had a deep conversation with him about like what you're talking about because it, it didn't ever occur to me um, until now. But yeah. he doesn't come off to me as someone who's doing it in this like creepy way. And so is there a difference between someone who's genuinely like, for instance, I'm genuinely mostly attracted to male men. And then the women I'm attracted to are um, super pretty voluptuous um, females. Like I like the lipstick girls. Um, so for him, I feel like that's just a genuine like attraction that he's kind of wired to have. And that was always my thought. And now I'm wondering if I was wrong this whole time. Um, well, no. So, you know, there are the guys that are genuinely just like, you know, who just see trans women as women. You know, they're attracted to like femininity in all its forms. Okay. Uh, and there's like, you know, when I, um, when I, for the first time I started dancing at, there's then the ones, and when I say creepy, it's the ones who come off as being predatory. Like okay. the ones who are like, you know, like are there that are like almost like sort of just like literally only seeing you for just like you're no more different than a steak on a plate. You know, you're literally just a fucking walking piece of meat. And they literally yeah. only see you for the one body part and that's it. You know, yeah. um, and not you know okay. wanting to get to know you for a person. They literally just see you for your anatomy. You know, wow. Um, like that's the huge difference. There's you yeah. know there's some people that are like you know are definitely curious or at least you know trans amorous and you know very polite treat you very like a decent human being. But oh, you know there's half okay. that just treat you like an object. And I guess that's the biggest difference who treats you like a human or not. (laughs) That's so interesting because I feel the same way about some customers, like customers over time. And even I experienced this on Instagram with certain men that I DM with, there's two, three, four, there's like about four or five different men that I've never met before that I message with on Instagram and they don't send me dick pics. They don't ask to have sex with me. Um, they're not trying to like get to know me. Um, they treat me like a normal person. And and then I have the guys that come in and they're like, hi, I want to fuck you. Literally. I had to block somebody today for saying that. Um, so they're just so out there with what they have to say. Like, (laughs) yeah. Or like, but this is my body and all you're thinking about is how to plow it. Like you're definitely getting blocked. Mm. (laughs) And, um, And so I say all of that to say that, of course, it would translate with um, trans women because people's mentality about something that's different, it probably just gets amplified because 
um, because of like a lot of people just can't wrap their heads around it. And like they're, I've experienced that same thing too, where they're just yeah. like, where they're just like, Hey, what are you doing after this? Like in the first 30 seconds of me meeting them. And it's like, mm-hmm. dude, I have cats and I'm hungry and I go home. Like I'm a normal yeah. person. What do you mean? What am I doing after this? I go to bed and I sleep. They'd be like, what are you doing after this? Can I buy you some food after? And that's how they get into it. Well, yeah. Cause I like <laughs> food. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So of course, of course it would translate that way, but I just, I don't know. I, I just want them to learn faster. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what I've sort of come to the conclusion too is, um, so like, there's like different levels. I feel like almost like it's like, or more so like on a spectrum of like guys. So it's like, you have the super like creepy fetish guy, like, you know, let's think, you know, locked in the basement, like just going at it on their computer, you know, whatever. And then there's like the one that like just, amazing super dope sweet guy um i think the level of their like fetishiness tends to like usually rely on how much they've been able to process their like societal shame that they've inherited around a lot of you know these different topics especially for trans women you know um, or like even for like gay men who come out like later in life or like those like, you know, guys that like don't ever come out, but like, you're like, oh, we found you on Craigslist or something. If anyone remembers Craigslist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. If we look at what the media has done, right. The media mm-hmm. has done this with strippers and sex workers as well, where, you know, we're oh, typically the butt of the joke. Yeah. But if yeah. you. And then, but now that I'm thinking about it, um, I have, like, I can recall a specific movie, The Hangover, which is a very popular movie where they're doing exactly that. They're fetishizing trans women and they're, um, and then there is shame surrounding like, oh, you had, you had sex with her. She is a dude. And it's like, oh, I can't believe it. And it's like, well, why is that the most horrible thing that could have happened to you? You know, mm-hmm. it's not. And that and I think that that's kind of what where that shame comes from is from this like collective societal thinking of that be, having sex with um, the same sex if you're not out as gay is super yeah. shameful and, and not good for some reason. Because it's that whole idea of like heteronormativity of like, you know, like this is how it should be. Like, you know, I think about it too sometimes. It's like... Uh, you know, I'm super grateful to have grown up super queer and like been able to have found my community and things like that. Because like you have these people that are like, oh, I have this timeline to follow. I gotta find my like high school crush, go to college, totally. keep in touch with school crush, marry them, finish college, buy a house, white picket fence, have the kids all by this like time period. And they're like, right. you know, like all they're stuck on whereas like you know whereas with us we just sort of like we're like fuck it like that's not the life I'm gonna have and so I'm just gonna our life with what we will you know totally yeah and it's so courageous to live that way and I think people don't even understand the amount of 
courage that it takes to step out of a normal way of being and choose your own path because it can be terrifying. You know, I mean, there's some people who would rather live in an unhappy, like they're just like live in a lifestyle where they're not happy and they're living quiet and closeted and um, would rather be sit in that uncomfortableness um, or yeah. be comfortable in that sadness, you know? Yeah. If that makes totally. Um, as totally. opposed to living out their truth, you know? <laughs> Yeah, because change all the time. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. And honestly, that to me is more scary. Living in some sort of a lie or being trapped inside of your body and not fulfilling your desires and your path, even though I mean, people might yeah. tell you you're crazy. Like, I yeah. mean, that's why that's why we have homophobes. You know, yeah. Say about the homophobes. They're yeah. the first are going to be bent over at the glory hole, honey. <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear the story about this? This There was a story that came out. My friend told me about it the other day about this man in a different country in Europe basically said that um, the coronavirus was the result of um, homosexuality and it's like a punishment from God that because of homosexuality. And then that guy ended up getting coronavirus. Oh my god! Isn't that that's, great? That's always the gag. That's always <laughs> the gag. It's always, you know, it's always the, how many fucking senators or politicians or priests have we had that are like, oh, those damn homosexuals, and they were found in a fucking park bathroom. I know. Yeah, <laughs> that's so. You know? Yeah. I mean, look at that. That this asshole that lives in LA, um, Aaron Shock, who was like, I believe he was with Arizona. Um, he actively voted against the gay and queer community and is now, and then was seen like, you know, bouncing around like um, at Coachella with like, with guys and things like that. And then at the standard. And then recently he um, released um, this like whole long, like apology of like, Oh, well this and this happened. Um, you know, I'm gay. Help wow. was, like never apologize, never acknowledge for setting in place the most harmful uh uh like policies towards his own community, you know. Who so that's that like exactly? Yeah, it's his his he's like a, he was a senator, I believe. I want to oh. say from Arizona from what I researched. Yeah. Oh, shit. Um, but now he's like seen at the standard and like at all the circuit parties you know, with all the muscle boys and his body is like, you know, as my friend Arise said, his body is okay. Like it's, <laughs> it's a full worked out body, nothing special. <laughs> oh you man. Know? But like you have that level of like, you know, shame that happens with it. And it's like, yeah, you know, I understand to an extent, like, you know, having, you know, a hard, you know, difficult family life and things like that and like a difficult growing up, but like I mean, look at all of us who managed to make, you know, do something better with that. Like, you know, there's a something I saw online where it's like either you say you suffer a lot and you say no one should ever have to go through this and you do what you can to change that. Or you say people, sh other people should feel this as well and you make them feel the same level of hurt as you did, you know? It's yeah. just, 
between it's it's between those two, you know. You're absolutely right. And I wish I understood more about how someone gets to that fork and like what what makes someone choose this way or that way. Yeah. Right? Like what makes someone say, Oh, I'm gonna change this and break this cycle, or what makes some say someone say I'm just, this is the cycle I'm comfortable with. So I'm going to stay here. What is the deciding factor? Like, what is like, is it a personality characteristic? And I don't, I'm not saying that you have the answers to these. I'm just, now I'm pondering when you get to that point, (laughs) what's happening there? What is that catalytic moment? That's like, I'm going to go left and make a difference. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's the weird part of life. Everyone experiences it differently, you know? Totally. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. You just have so much positive outlook on it. You know, I really appreciate that. Um, I want to, um, I wanted to talk cause I know that you said you had Jolene at cheetahs and then one yeah. day cheetahs, oh. like you're no, done. One- everyone's done. We're closing. Literally. What was that like for you? Um, honestly, that, that was super tough. I mean, in the immediate moment, all I did was just turn into like, turn on like, you know, thankfully I was on a manic upswing and was able to utilize that to turn, put on my producer hat and just, you know, reach out to my network. Um, my friends, um, Valentina and, um, Melinda, and Chris, they were able to connect us with um, another venue, um, like within like a few days after. So luckily there was that. But like, I remember dealing with that after um, that event and just being like, "Fuck!" Like, I don't know where to go from here. Like, I don't like it was. It's already it was. It's already hard getting into you know making it work at Cheetahs. Like, right how am I going to make it work at any other strip club that has never had any sort of like specialty nights like this, you know? Totally. Totally. And so, so, yeah. Yeah. I, I was kind of like defeated for a minute, but I just sort of was like, okay, you know what? Things happen, things change. And we're just, you just, you know, yeah, you're just going to have to roll with it or else it's done forever. Yeah. <laughs> Just to make sure the audience is caught up on this subject. So Cheetahs in Hollywood was closed down unexpectedly. When was that? November or December? Uh, Yeah, it was in November. It was our November event. Yeah. (laughs) Right before before what? Right before Thanksgiving. It was supposed to be such a fun night. (laughs) Right, right. So your your night was scheduled to be at Cheetahs like a couple days after, a few days after. So you had about how many days to scramble to find a new venue? I had a week. Right. <laughs> yeah, I literally had a week and all I could do was just as soon as I heard cuz I was like hearing back and forth and like the girls like, you know, like Erica and Malice and like Elise were all texting me and telling me what about what was happening. Yeah. Uh, and sort of like those girls like were love them. They like kept me in the loop there. They Yeah. You know, really helped me like you know, help make like Jolene happen there, you know, from that other end of totally uh, working at Cheetahs. And, and then it was finally like Monday and it was like, 
then I called them and was just like, Hey, what's going on? We have our like show that's supposed to be scheduled. Like, and they were just like, Oh, we'll get like, you know, we're not sure about what we're going to do with that yet. Let me find out. And then just never heard. So you never heard back from them. Nope. Yeah. So. Yikes. Yeah. So we actually interviewed, I uh, had Malice and Kayla on the show with us uh, a couple weeks ago and their podcast released just the other day. I don't mm. know if you had a chance to hear it or not, but they, <laughs> yeah, but they, they, we did talk about that story and what happened there. And, and you're, you actually in your show got mentioned on that episode as well, because you were affected by it just as much, just as they were, you know? Um, so I, and you said something too that Cheetahs was the home to the first transgender show. Um, yeah, is that in Los Angeles or is that I in, specifically I think, Pole, Right? Yeah, in um, I think in LA that was the there was there was in LA. So there's this guy that like you know did strip nights throughout LA um, or throughout the um, the US. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I would say Cheetahs was was and is still the only strip club I know of now that has ever had like sort of that inclusivity, that level of inclusivity for a strip club. Yeah. I mean, I know Jumbo's Jumbos used to get like super wild, um, and used to be like back in the day was like you know all girls of all types, you know. But I think more so um, current day, there's like. Cheetahs was like the only one that right. was allowing a specialty right. that they put it. <laughs> now, what about strip clubs like that have all female dancers? Because mm-hmm. I we talked to um, Miles Young not that long ago, and yeah. we were talking about how he dances in all female strip clubs, uh-huh. and is very accepted and um, and you know, appreciated at those clubs. And I'm like, you know, that's just not, that's like new territory. I think it's yeah. great. But that's what amazing. about, yeah. what's that? Oh, I uh, yeah, no, it's fucking, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. What about um, transgender women um, in the strip clubs? Like what's the, what's the history like there? Can you talk on that and, and what you've seen? Um. Honestly, just from my own experience, like I went and tried to audition um, at a different at different clubs. I I you know some people are really like so there's like the ninety percent of strippers who are like super cool, who are queer, who are you know super um, accepting mm-hmm. and open minded, and there's that like one ten percent that's the fucking that are Trump supporters who are super Republican. And sometimes you're just like, can you just put your foot in your mouth? You know, <laughs> those backward things. But like, again, you know, I just, it is what it is. But then also I feel um, it depends on the managers too. Like, you know, sometimes there's still this like, <sighs> I feel like, there's just sort of like people have different reactions to different things, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, there, there might be more familiarity because uh, Miles um, 
still presents and identifies as male. So there's still that like male camaraderie, uh, yeah. you know, you. plus, I mean, Miles is just an amazing, has such an amazing energy. It's like, yeah. like, film, like, a, like just a beautiful like soul, but like, yeah. feel like, you know, st- like if it was just, me or some other trans girl walking into a club, like it can get catty, you know? Yeah. Um, one of my friends was dancing up in Asa. Um, she was telling me about like how she was dancing at a space um, up in uh, SF. And, you know, one of the girls found her Instagram and like then told all the other girls. And then she got pulled into, pulled in by the manager um, and was just like, listen, we don't have a problem with you being trans. We just have to let you go because it's a liability. If a customer were to freak out and like punch you or something like that, you know. What? So that makes zero sense. I've seen. I'm my roommate got punched in the face, and she's a woman at a strip club by a female customer. You know what I mean? Like that lo- logic makes no sense that she would be a liability. Yeah. Uh, well, the, there's the trans panic defense. Um, I've never this heard was, this phrase, trans yeah. panic. So there's the gay, there's gay panic and trans panic defense. And wow. um, there's only three states that have outlawed this, um, New York, uh, Washington, and um, uh, California. But essentially, um, it states that like someone can use like temporary insanity from finding out that someone was trans or gay and that's why they murdered them. Wait a second. We need to elaborate on this. I've never yeah. heard this before. <laughs> I'm wondering yeah. if a lot of so, other people haven't. Please tell us everything. Um, yeah. So it's, it's essentially that you can say that you panicked and killed a gay person or a trans person because you didn't know. And, and that's, that's illegal defense like like temporary insanity because you just didn't know and you just you know and then you freaked out oh i freaked out because i didn't know it's their fault that i didn't know so i freaked out and you know hurt them that's the that's legitimately what trans and gay panic defense so, is. okay so that <laughs> reminds me of something that i heard about that happens in europe and i don't know if it's still happens but it was a thing where if you were like say married and you walked in on your spouse having sex with another person if you killed those people then you could use that defense of like complete rage and temporary insanity like you're saying because you just like walked in on so is it sort of like is it like as engaging in a sexual encounter and then that's where that comes into play or is it just like you just it's not just meeting someone and then you kill them it's most of the time it's like it it it's what it results from like a sexual encounter like you know a lot of the times it's like you know like the girls this is why like also like i do my night and have that half and half lineup to like normalize the attraction to trans women is because you know something that was happening a lot last year that was really hard to hear is there was a lot of black trans women being murdered. Um, and a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of them were either from lovers or from, you know, working relationships, but like, you know, a lot of these guys couldn't deal with their shame of their into trans women and 
that's how it manifested, you know? Unbelievable. Yeah. I'm so grateful to have this conversation because <laughs> I did not realize. And so you're saying that it's, that's illegal to use that defense in, or it's, it's not a usable an admissible defense in th- only three out of 50 yeah. states. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There's like, there's, there's um, like a lot of states that you can still like specifically, I know for sure in the Bible belt, um, you know, that you can use that like, oh, I freaked out and murdered this person because I didn't know they were transgender, you know? And that's like almost that's like true. a temporary insanity sort of like um, excuse. That's absolutely absurd. Um, I have plans to live till 120. Um, I think 80 years is enough time to also look at that law. I'm trying to change so many laws right now. (laughs) But I'm like, that's just so ridiculous. But 80 years is a good amount of time to try to get all that work done. Um, Shit. I hate to hear that. Thank you for sharing that. Um, Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's why, you know, my friend ended up getting, you know, released from the strip club that she was working at. And, you know, there's no hard feelings. Or like, I, she was saying that, like, you know, a lot of the girls sort of, you know, knew and didn't care, you know, because it was a full nude space, but she didn't have to go full nude, um, you know. Um, but it was just, I think, legitimately that, because this was, like, also before California, because um, it was only recently that California... Uh, made that um, illegal to use as a defense, but uh, oh, I see. Oh, I see. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So there. So those three states are like definitely on the forefront, and it's kind of a new thing that they looked at. Yeah. Unreal. Nineteen twenty, or is this twenty twenty? What the f, man? I feel like oh, I'm backwards sometimes. <laughs> I think we we did go a little backwards. Whatever the <laughs> experiments they did with the like you know with that like black hole device that they have out there they surely fucked something up (laughs) yeah something weird's going on wow well that was definitely a really interesting piece of information that i think our audience will really appreciate had no idea that even existed so yeah we'll share yeah um are you ready for our, our next segment to move into stripper tips um yeah, I mean, right before we do that, though, I just, you know, now I want to, like, you know, call in your audience and just be like, you know, so, you know, now if you ever, like, see someone who is trans and, you know, out and about, just, you know, give them a smile, like, give us a break from that anxiety, don't add to it, um, and don't add to the, like, hardships that, you know, other people are already enduring. I mean, it's so true what they, that whole saying is about like, mm-hmm. you never know what someone else's struggle is. Like, yeah. just, you don't, you also don't have to add to it either. So yeah, actually you bring up a really good point. Can you tell, <laughs> can you educate people on like what, like for me personally, and I'm also learning. So yeah. um, when when I see someone who um, I believe is trans, just, you know, based on visual, um, mm-hmm. I'm like in so much awe. Like, I just think trans people are some of the most beautiful people I've ever seen, like visually. And also like, there's something about their aura um, mm-hmm. that I just, you know, it's like, I can feel it. I can't explain it. And I remember, um, I know in India, 
um, trans people used to be um, worshipped. There was like a god or goddess or I don't know uh, what exactly it would be called that was like looked at as someone who had both strengths and Mm -hmm. therefore they were more worshipped and on a pedestal. And that like, I feel similarly, but I also don't want to be like, ah, you know, because I feel like in doing that, I'm fetishizing them. So Mm -hmm. what can you speak on about like behavior of like how someone's introduced to or sees a trans person how to be or not be? Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess if you're ever unsure, um, when it comes to like a face-to-face meeting, just be like, what are your pronouns? Mm. Um, or even refer to the person by their name the whole time, you know, because that's super affirming too. And also like the biggest thing too is if you ever get corrected on someone's pronouns, just don't say I'm sorry, just say thank you. Like because whenever someone says I'm sorry, it's then it's like immediately put back on like the uh the trans person that you're talking to that to be like, oh God, now I have to make them like feel better. Yeah, you know, totally. You know, with that situation, just say thank you and then move forward with that, you know? Um, so, yeah. Okay. Thank you yeah. for that. Wonderful. <laughs> Want to be fabulous just like these strippers? Pay attention. It's Stripper Tips. Okay, Daphne, what's your stripper tip for our audience? Um, so my stripper tip for the audience is Find any moment throughout your day to find your version of sexy. Mm-hmm. Because just like, you know, how a stripper has to do it within a song, you should find that for yourself and celebrate that within yourself and not for other people. Just yeah. like a stripper on stage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. I Those are some of my favorite sets where I'm like ignoring everyone in the room and I'm like, I'm just going to do me up here. I'm going to vibe out to the song. (laughs) I'm feeling it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I love that. That's beautiful. Get ready for our rapid fire question round. It's time for four for one. What's the craziest thing a fan or customer has ever said to you? Oh God. Um, Oh, uh, um, will you be my wife? <laughs> That's cute. <laughs> All I right. was like, yeah. <laughs> That's a lot of commitment. <laughs> um, what actor would play you in the movie of your life? Oh God. I would hope Marian, Marian Cotillard. <laughs> Okay. She did um, Amelie and like, um, yeah, Hot. I love her. Okay, yeah. you have to you have to send me that. I have to look that one up. I want to know who you're talking about. I'm sure other people who are more hip to pop culture know exactly what you're talking about. I'm like old. Yeah. Speaking of old, what old person things do you do? What old person things do I do? Um, oh God. Uh, Oh, uh, I don't know. Pass. 
Do you pull your pants up high? Do you go to bed early? Do you floss oh, your teeth? Oh, no, what old friends? I was like, what sayings? I don't know any sayings. Um, uh, I, I mean, no, I. You don't. You're not an old person. You don't do any old person names. You got it. Last question. Oh, actually, I do. I what? always double check my locks. Okay, that's good. Yeah. Very responsible of you. <laughs> Very responsible. Last question. Do you think cats can be trained? And if so, what would you like to train a cat to do? Oh, my God. Yes, cats can be trained. And I would love to train my cat to use the toilet. Oh, yes. <laughs> Me, too. <laughs> no more litter box. No more litter box. The cat just goes in the toilet and flushes it themselves. Have you ever seen the picture of the cat on the toilet? For I, I've seen videos of cats using the toilets on themselves by themselves and flushing it so i'm like no way they flush it too yes <sighs> that's nuts i know my cats like go to the toilet all the time and they drink out of it and i have to put the lid down so they don't drink out of it because i think that's kind of weird but mm-hmm. i bet we could teach paul miller that's my cat's name oh my how god to, how to go to the bathroom in the toilet you we that needs to happen. I know. It'll take all the treats, but it'll happen. <laughs> Don't say treats too loud. This one right here will think that you're giving her some. Um, this has been amazing. How fun. Thank you so yeah. much for doing this with us. Thanks for having me. I mean, yeah. it was a nice little break away from um, fucking all of this. I know. All this stuff. I know. <laughs> so thank you for that. Will you tell everyone how they can follow you and find out more information about your show and all those things? Yeah. Um, so everyone can find me. I'm ethical drugs on Instagram. Um, and instead of a U, it's a V. Um, and then you can follow my show, Other Woman. Um, that's, and it's spelled O-T-H-E-R-W-O-M-X-N. Okay. Um, for other women. So. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and I'm guessing you don't have any shows scheduled right now. Not right now. I okay. mean, you know, hopefully by the time we come, when we, you know, as as the as the wheel as the world turns, as they say. Yeah. <laughs> These are the days of our lives. Ah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Oh what a great ending. Thank you so much, Daphne. And all, to all of you out there, thank you so much for tuning in and listening and or watching. Have a great week and we'll see you next Wednesday as usual. Bye. Yep. Bye. Hey guys, I just want to remind you to rate, review and subscribe to this podcast. You can find us on Instagram at yes, a stripper podcast. You can also watch this podcast on YouTube at Yes, a Stripper Podcast. And of course, make sure you follow us on Twitter at Yes, a Stripper Pod. Yes, a Stripper Podcast is produced by Mackenzie Mazel, Shelly Snyder, and yours truly, A.M. Davies. Be sure to email any questions or comments to Yes, a Stripper Podcast at gmail.com. If you'd like to follow me personally, you can find me on Instagram at the queen of sexy. You can also check me out on my website, thequeenofsexy.com.